Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Tuesday, January the 25th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with Mark Smith, we're going to take a look at the hymn, Son of God, Eternal Savior. The author was Thomas Corey Lowry. He lived from 1855 to 1932. This is referred to as a socially minded hymn. Came out in 1893 when he was serving as a vicar of North Holmwood in Surrey. First published in the periodical Goodwill in February 1894, it appeared shortly thereafter in an 1895 hymnal of the Christian Social Union, a group founded in 1889 within the Church of England, and it was dedicated to increasing the social and economic needs of the less privileged. Each of the stanzas and alternate praises and supplications make reference to Christ's eternal attributes and earthly ministry, praying that we live our lives according to him. And so we're going to be taking a look then at this hymn, Son of God, Eternal Savior. Hi, Pastor Smith. How you doing, Tom? It's a good hymn. Pretty good. Yes, you're using it Sunday? Yes, we are. In fact, we're starting off with it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be one that would be very good for uh, service. It's in this section called Society. Yeah. Son of I've always liked, Eternal. I've always liked this hymn. And uh, it, what what I've read in the verses, reviewing the verses, really resonates with what you said about it, that uh, a lot of it has to do with social ministry. Yes. Now, you might see that in the hymnal we use, the setting is by Henry Gerke. I noticed that. Yeah, Henry's, He's a uh, friend of yours, right? Yes. In fact, uh, I rented to him a mobile home when he came to St. Louis. He was a teacher and decided to become a pastor, and that's what he went through and did, and was organist at one of my uh, field workers' church, David Pelsu, Reformation. Reformation so I, Lutheran, right. So, so I know him well. All right, stanza one, please. Okay. Son of God, eternal Savior, source of life and truth and grace, Word made flesh, whose birth among us hallows all our human race. You, our head, who throned in glory, for your own will ever plead. Fill us with your love and pity. Heal our wrongs and help our need. Now, even though it's in the section called Society, this is also the hymn for the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. How is this an Epiphany hymn? Well, 
so much of what Jesus did during uh, the Epiphany season, the, the lessons that I'm speaking about, the gospel readings, uh, talk about his, uh, you know, his healings and uh, his help of of the people. Uh, those. Uh, those aspects of his ministry where he healed the, the lepers, gave sight to the blind, and uh, particularly in Capernaum and, uh, and other uh, towns. Remember, in Capernaum were four of his disciples. Right, in, right. Including uh, Peter. Simon. Yes, and Simon Peter. What did he do with Simon's mother-in-law? Uh, healed her, healed her uh, right away. She was ill at the time, and she was she was so quickly healed that she got up and actually served them food. I guess. Exactly, but the people in Capernaum wanted him to stay, but he did not. How come? Well, he you know he had other places he he wanted to visit, and uh, including including his own hometown Nazareth. So. Uh, uh, he made that clear that I've I've got other places. You, you, primarily, he wanted to proclaim the gospel, the good news, and uh, the healing was rather kind of ancillary. It was, uh, you know, it was he, he would be glad, glad to heal these people, but that wasn't that wasn't really the primary reason for his coming to the earth, as we know. To, he came to earth to, to heal us of all of our wrongs, uh, atone for all of our sins on the cross, ultimately. Excellent. In fact, in verse 43 of Luke 4, he says, I must preach the right. good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he ended up preaching in the synagogues of Judea after he left Capernaum. Yeah, in fact, that's the theme that's on the uh, Concordia uh, every Sunday bulletin for this Sunday, I must preach the good news. Yes. And so very, very interesting that he wants to preach the good news. And in this first stanza, it starts right off with referring to him as the Son of God, eternal Savior. And the Sundays in Epiphany are given in order that we might come to believe that he indeed is divine. And that comes about. The very good point you made is that he didn't come just to do miracles, but they were kind of a foreshadowing of what will happen to those who have faith in him and believe the gospel and in heaven will have no pain, no suffering, no sickness, no death. Yeah. As I said, Tom, I've always loved this hymn, and I can't decide which I like better. Uh, uh, the, the words themselves are excellent, but I also love the music, the, the setting that uh, your friend Henry, Henry Garrick provided for it. It's, it's, it's great music, too. Yes. And it talks about the Word made flesh. Yes. That's, of course, the Incarnation. And he goes on and said, hallows all our human race. Now, hallow is just a word for becoming holy. holy. Right. How does that occur? Well, the fact that Jesus also took on human flesh, and, and that's the emphasis, too, that I think the hymn writer wants us to, to stress that, you know, 
all of these people, even the people, the, the less privileged, the impoverished, the, the, the people that a lot of people just kind of overlook, they're all hallowed by the fact that he, too, took on human flesh. So, uh, in other words, we, we shouldn't think any less of people uh, because of their social standing or because of their illness or their impoverishment or anything like that. Jesus has hallowed the whole human race by his suffering and death on the cross, by washing away all of our sins with his holy, precious blood. Well said. All right, stanza two, please. As you, Lord, have lived for others so may we for others live. Freely have your gifts been granted. Freely may your servants give. Yours the gold and yours the silver. Yours the wealth of land and sea. We, but stewards of your bounty, held in solemn trust will be. Now, how can you understand that verse without thinking that were saved by our works. Well, it's it's an the the works, uh, the works and the trust of being stewards of His bounty that that follows from His love for us. That's that's just a response to His His love and His outpouring upon our upon us. Well, that's excellent because. We need to understand that we are to do the good works of God, but it is impossible to even do one good work in his eyes until we have full faith. That is, yes. believe that Jesus is the Christ. So sanctification, which is helping out the neighbor, comes after justification where we are declared righteous in his sight through faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, everything we do, everything we do that's, that's considered a, a truly good work is done in Christ when we're in faith. That's the only way, only way we can accomplish these good works. And even our, even our works of righteousness, as the Scripture says, are like filthy rags uh, without Christ, apart from Christ. Yes, because when we do these works, sometimes we have a sinful motivation. Right. And that is forgiven. And that's what makes them righteous in God's sight. Right. And the other reason is there can be a lot of people who do good works, but they do them outwardly and they don't have the proper motivation which God looks for, and that's faith in Jesus Christ, because they don't believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah, they're you know they're capable, perhaps, of doing some what we call uh, civic righteousness, but uh, but it doesn't count as what doesn't amount to a hill of beans in, in in God's eyes, apart from faith in Christ. That's excellent. Yes, because what we're talking about is a life of sanctification that has to be the result of our love for Jesus Christ. I really like the way the translation comes a, a, around. As you, Lord, have lived for others, so may we for others live. I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, and, and the stress that yours, the gold, and yours, the silver, 
yours the la- the wealth of land and sea. We're but stewards. You know, everything that we own, it, we're we're actually stewards of of God's blessings. It it actually all belongs to Him, and uh, we of course want to be, because of what He's done for us. We want to share it with those that are impoverished and in need. How would you explain to a child what a steward is? Well, let's see. Uh, A steward is like a servant that is in charge of uh, loaning out uh, property and and items uh, that belong that belong to somebody else. Yes, children become stewards living in the house. You know, you don't want your child running around breaking mirrors or turning chairs over or anything. How they deal with what they have been given shows that they have charge over property that the parents want them to use to the advantage of the whole world. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We used to call flight attendants stewardesses, or if they were male, we call them stewards. And we've kind of lost that terminology. Uh, but that's, they, you know, they didn't own the plane. They didn't fly the plane. But they were, uh, they were in charge of uh, distributing uh, needed items for the, uh, the people that were flying in the plane. When I flew to Russia, I was on a great plane, and they served us steak. They wow. don't do that anymore. I guess not. <laughs> you know why? It's too expensive, I imagine. Nope. What? You need a knife. Oh, of course. Yes. They don't want people to have knives on planes. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. But it's easy to open a little bag of peanuts. Oh, yeah. But there you got the problem of some people being allergic to them, too. Yeah, that's right. A lot of planes now, it's just pretzels and such. Yeah, but uh, that. Yep, exactly. And uh, I tell you, stewards, I, I like watching YouTube and accidents that planes have had. And a lot of times people are saved from dying because of the way that these stewardesses uh, direct them to the parts of the plane to escape and take care of them. Sure. Very important. Yeah. All righty. I'll read three. Come, O Christ, and reign among us, King of love and Prince of peace. Hush the storm of strife and passion. Bid its cruel discords cease. By your patient years of toiling, By your silent hours of pain, quench our fervent, our fevered thirst of pleasure, stem our selfish greed of gain. Now, one of the greatest verses. That's that's one of the best verses of the whole hymn, and it's very appropriate. For this Sunday, as our thoughts will all be on uh, what's happening over in Ukraine, that we we hope we can avert war over there. Uh, And and those words, um, hush the storm of strife and passion, bid its cruel discord cease. 
And then it goes into talking about Christ's ministry. By your, I love these words, by your patient years of toiling, by your silent hours of pain. You know, we think of him on the cross and how yeah. he didn't cry out. Uh, it's just a beautiful verse. It really is. And and then, of course, I love it because it reminds me of my uh, my church of 38 years, Prince of Peace, King of Love and Prince of Peace. Yes. 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 But it should remind you of the church you're at now, too. Oh, absolutely. And it reminds me of the real Prince of Peace, Jesus. Yes. By the way, what church are you at and when are your services? I'm at a great church, St. Paul's Lutheran Church out in Wildwood. We're out on Highway 109, and uh, our service starts at 9 a.m. Sunday morning, uh, followed by uh, uh, Sunday school and Bible class at about uh, 10, about 1020 or so. Depending how long your sermon is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great people out there. They're wonderful people. I'm really enjoying. I'm really enjoying uh, being the interim pastor out there for these people. They're wonderful. Yes, a member of mine, Steve Reardon, had become pastor there, and he was a wonderful pastor until yes. he retired. So, uh, are they in the call process? Yes, they are. We're interviewing candidates right now, so. Uh, we're praying for God's guidance, and uh, we're hopeful that he will send us his choice. Yes. Okay. Uh, if you'll read stanza four, please. Right. Son of God, eternal Savior, source of life and truth and grace, word made flesh whose birth among us hallows all our human race. By your praying, by your willing, that your people should be one. Grant, O oh grant, our hope's fruition. Here on earth, your will be done. Now, isn't that an interesting way to end a hymn? Yeah, yeah. Here on earth, your will be done. Right, and right. You really need to know the distinctions between law and gospel to know what he's saying. In fact... This is really a good hymn about the two covenants. The first covenant, and that's an agreement that God made with his people. The people promised to obey him in all things, and they did not. Right. In fact, they so sinned, they were taken into captivity, including the Babylonian captivity. And so God has another agreement, but this one... The promises are not based on us. They're based on God. God right. alone makes the promise. And, and keeps them. Yes, as you were reading this hymn, God is the author of all of this. He's the source of life and truth and grace. So... Grant, O oh grant, our hope's fruition, here on earth your will be done. Yes. See, that's what the second agreement God has made with us. We call that the New Covenant or the New Testament. New Testament, A lot of people, right. when they hear Old Testament, New Testament, they think of the books of the Bible, when never in the Bible is that its reference. It's always the old agreement God made with people at Mount Sinai 
in Exodus 24, where they said, we will obey all these things. And of course they failed. And the yeah. book of Hebrews is a great book to read to show how the first agreement doesn't save individual because we all fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, Hebrews is an excellent, excellent epistle. We, I, I taught a Bible class on that uh, out here at St. Paul's uh, uh, within the last six months. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like going through. I've done the study on Mark. I'm in Proverbs right now because that is really good. What Proverbs does, it expands the Exodus 20 passage about I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you will have no other gods before me when you have this relationship with me. You won't take my name in vain. You'll observe the Sabbath, honor your parents. The commandments were not originally commandments in the sense, this is how you get to heaven, but they were no. God's will for us, which we failed to follow. And that's why the ending of this hymn, here on earth your will be done, is now able to be done by means of the second agreement, the second covenant, the New Testament. Yeah, in Christ. In Christ. So what does it mean to be out of Christ? Well, you're out of his. You're out of his kingdom. You're, there's only one other kingdom, and that's and that's the kingdom of Satan. If we if we're not in Christ's kingdom, we're, we belong to Satan, and we don't want that. That's what's so wonderful about infant baptism. You pluck that little one, that little child. You pluck him out of Satan's clutches and put him safely in Christ's kingdom. That's and, that, and baptism makes us. We have the absolute certain promise that that's what happens at uh, at baptism. Is that little child is now uh, a, a a child of a child of God, an heir of heaven. How then is infant baptism a kind of form of exorcism? Well. Uh, you know, that is, do you, part of the, part of the baptismal uh, ritual is, do you renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways? We ask that, we ask the parents and the sponsors to speak in behalf of the child. Uh, yes, with the, yes, with the help of God. Yes. We do yeah, renounce the devil good. and all his works and ways. That's right. And so I often will mention it, that the child now is transferred from the kingdom of hell to the kingdom of God. And it's very, very important that when you have a child, you see to it that it is baptized. Right. Who wouldn't want now, that for their kids? That's for sure. Yes, we need to be a little careful that we don't give the impression that if your child is not baptized, there's no way it's going to heaven. Right. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. The Bible Bible doesn't say, and so we we have to watch our step there, too. You're right, absolutely. Yeah, I talked about five ways in which infants go to heaven who are not baptized. I had a sermon on that once. Oh, boy, just, that'd be a good sermon. I'll just give you one of them. How do we teach that little boys in the Old Testament became members of the kingdom of God? Circumcision. And how do we teach that girls became members? 
Well, <laughs> yeah. There uh, is nothing. Right. There's no revelation as to what God does, but are they members of Israel and are saved? Oh, yes. Little girls? Yes, yes. they are. So there's an example that apart from baptism, God saves children. And then remember, who was not baptized and yet was saved while he was still in the womb? John the Baptist. Yeah. So there's another example. Yeah. And then who was not baptized but was saved and was part of the kingdom of God because Jesus took them up in his arms. Well, there was a thief on the cross that Jesus said this very day, you'll be with me in paradise. We don't know that he was baptized. That's good. But who did Jesus take up in his arms? Oh, let me think. The little children. Oh, little children, right. Yeah, he laid his, laid his hands upon them and blessed them. That's right. Yes, and remember the disciples were really arguing against the parents for bothering Jesus with the little children. Yeah. But he took them up in his arms and blessed them yeah. and said, of such is the kingdom of God. Yeah. So now I am a pastor, so a lot of times I have to say only what's in the Bible. But right. I still have some opinions. Right. And it's my opinion, but can't back it up at all, that aborted children are saved. Yes. Yeah. The thing about baptism, though, Tom, is with baptism, infant baptism, we can be absolutely certain that if anything happens to that child, he will be with the Lord Jesus. Well said. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks very much, Son of God, Eternal Savior. And the tune was by our good friend Henry Gerke. And it'll be interesting that the congregation is singing it this Sunday on tomorrow's Lawn Gospel. We're going to take another look at that wonderful book in the Bible of Solomon as he continues to speak to us about what is the wisdom of God. So tune in tomorrow for that. Tell your friends about it. And listen how you can support Law and Gospel at this time. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.